You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 87. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. JC Pulford here. I am your host, and it has been such a pleasure bringing you this new series called Testify, where real people share real stories about our real God. Today's episode is the final one of that series, and today's guest is me. As we know, God works in mighty ways when it comes to revealing his identity to us and reconciling our hearts back to him. I've brought in my good friend, Allison Connors, who shared her powerful testimony in episode 78. She is playing the role of host in this episode, which is really fun, and she's asking me the questions. I thought it would be more just encouraging and inspiring telling my story with a friend to have conversations with, and so I hope you enjoy it. This is the last episode of the Testify series and of the fourth podcast season. After this week, we will begin our winter break and we'll be back here for a brand new season five in 2021. Wow, I can't believe I just said those words. Okay, if you haven't already, please leave a five-star review in iTunes, letting me know why you love the Hello Awesome podcast. If you want more exclusive content, including access to my podcast mini-series called The Real 15, where all episodes are 15 minutes or less, become a Hello Awesome member on Patreon for just $5 a month. That's right, just five bucks every month, and you can have exclusive content to the mini-series. You'll also have access to all the PDFs to my books and also the digital devotions that I send out and so much more. So get on Patreon right now. Your financial support will go back into running this podcast and creating future devotionals. So check out the link in the show details of your podcast app and sign up today. Okay, sweet friends, it has been a wild ride. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast, for tuning in every week. It has been so awesome. I hope you have been enjoying this incredible series. If you feel someone could benefit from what you've heard, don't hesitate to share the link to this podcast with your friends and family. Okay, here we go. This is the last episode of the Testify series and the fourth season of the podcast. Here is my story on how I became apostolic. This is episode number 87 that I am calling Chasing Jesus, My Testimony, featuring Allison Connors. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast, where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. Just a quick note about this new series called Testify. It does contain adult content and will not be suitable for young children. So if you have young children around, I suggest that you listen to this on some headphones, on some earbuds, so that their little ears can stay pure and can stay innocent. Thank you for understanding. The seasons might be changing, but our amazing sponsors are sticking around to bring some deals exclusively to Hello Awesome listeners. Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style and comfort. I love the durable materials they use and all the fun patterns to choose from. Use the 10% off code HelloAwesome10 during checkout at Nuggles.us to snag your new favorite fall outfit right now. 
If you're looking for super cute scrunchies that'll last in your hair all day, and yes, even long hair to your knees like mine, look no further than Sovita. I use them every day. Use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your order right now at sovita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A.com. Get that hair off your neck and into a cute top knot with one of their scrunchies right now as you go grab that pumpkin spiced latte this fall. Blue Thistle Taylor has timeless dresses, skirts, and handbags. Mandy truly has classic modest pieces that you will love for years to come. Just use our special code HelloAwesome for 20% off your order on BlueThistleTaylor.com. That's B-L-U-E-T-H-I-S-T-L-E-T-A-I-L-L-U-E-R.com. Answer me this. Are you ready to switch out your toxic bath and body products for a better option? Rachel over at Oneness Essentials can hook you up. She makes handmade soap, body butter, and lotion that not only look and smell amazing, but they're great for sensitive skin. Use code HelloAwesome for 15% off your order when you shop at onenesssoapbiz.com. Nestled in a lovely brick and mortar store in Starks, Louisiana, Dress Like an Angel represents the beauty of modesty through their stunning dresses, skirts, extenders, layer tops, and more. They even carry items for young girls, like their best-selling lace tights. Use our exclusive discount code HelloAwesome for 10% off your order at dresslikeanangel.com. A special thank you to all my sponsors who want to bless Hello Awesome listeners. I appreciate you and thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Okay, I forgot one more thing. Have you been blessed by the ministry of Hello Awesome on Instagram and here on the podcast? Consider becoming part of our exclusive membership program on Patreon. When you sign up today, you will unlock access to over 10 posts featuring devotional downloads, ebook and audiobook files for my new book, Give It to God Girl, printable modest fashion coloring pages, and the latest episodes of my brand new mini podcast series, The Real 15, which is only available to members. I post a new episode every week and will continue bringing special access to some really awesome content. Think of it like a secret club, and this is your invitation. Tap the link in the description of this episode or go to patreon.com backslash helloawesome. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash helloawesome to become a member and start enjoying your full all-access pass today. Hey everybody, it's JC and we are back here on the podcast. I've been sharing with you different conversations about different testimonies of how God has changed so many lives and each story is so unique and different, which is awesome because God is just such a personal God. And today I get to share my story again with you. Uh, Earlier on the podcast, I think it was season one, I shared with you my testimony, um, but I feel like a refresher is in order and it'll help me to just encourage me. And so I have asked my amazing friend, Allison from Apostolic Letters to be on the podcast to kind of be my little, to be my interviewer. 
Uh, so this is a little bit different, but I wanted to have somebody on that I trusted, that we get along, that we're kindred spirits, and we are sisters in Christ. And I just totally uh, just love her, love her heart, and love her mind. So Allison, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, of course, I, you know, I had a I had an idea to have somebody on the podcast to interview me. And the first person I thought of was you, but I wasn't sure if that would be something you'd be open to. So I tried to think of at least three people um, as backup plans, but I couldn't think of anybody. So (laughs) I said, well, let me just ask her first. And if she says no, then I will figure that out. Well, you know, now that you mention it, I think I don't want to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and back out here. (laughs) No, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. And recording. Yeah. Yeah. messed up but um you know I'm just grateful for you for sharing your story on the podcast for this series and I know um at this point I know on the schedule people have already heard it even though we're recording this ahead of time the listeners have already listened to your story and so they know a little bit about what God has done in your life so I thought it'd be very interesting to flip the script and have you uh ask me stuff and you know, just kind of interview me about what God's done in my life. Well, I'm really excited to have this conversation. It's just, it's so encouraging to me and probably everybody to hear awesome things that God has done in somebody's life. And from what I understand, he's done some pretty great things in your life as well. So I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to hear what you have to say. Well, all right, then I'm going to put the ball in your court right now, if you don't mind. Is there one question that you want to kick it off with? Yeah, I'd like for you to just kind of set the stage for us. What were your early 20s like? And because I know Mm -hmm. it's probably pretty common. That's a a time in life when a lot of people um, seem to either get it with God or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so I want you to just share with us what was that time like? And what were you feeling? What were you experiencing? Go for it. That is an awesome question. I think you need your own podcast. So early 20s. Wow. When I look back, it is so weird, right? When you're thinking about your story and you're thinking about who you used to be because it's just a totally different person. Um, Well, let's just say this. When I graduated high school or right before graduation, actually, I really just wanted to have a boyfriend. It sounds so (laughs) superficial, but I was a teenager I was going to be 18 that July, and I knew I was going away to college in Boston uh, for fashion design, and I just wanted to have a boyfriend. I felt kind of lonely, and I I had a lot of friends. It wasn't like I, you know, was kind of a loner or anything. I was one of those misfits. You know, we had a group of friends that were just like all kind of quirky, and a lot of uh, a lot of us were like art geeks and creatives, but um. I don't know. I just felt like I wanted somebody there. And a friend of mine had highlighted this particular boy to me who were, who was actually a friend of mine in our friend group. And I did not, uh, I was not attracted to him at all. Like not really. (laughs) Um, As far as like his personality, he was awesome and he was sweet and caring, but that was, I, I just didn't feel like there was a, a thing there, you know, that we could get along with, but, um, that we can click with. But um, I remember telling myself that, uh, why not? This will be your one shot probably at a boyfriend in high school. And so 
um, we started going out and obviously I had a lot of things already in my heart about love and about physical touch and about affection and everything went really fast after that. We, we basically were inseparable and we took it physical very fast. And I think a lot of that had to do with us being friends first, but I think a lot of that had to do with just being silly teenagers and not understanding boundaries or what God wants for us. And so I entered my twenties in that sort of confusion of being in love with someone that I knew wasn't a hundred percent right for me. And, um, yeah. And so I did go to college and I remember just being a lovesick teenager and coming home, um, and wanting to just be with him. And I don't think that's anything unreal. We want to be with people that we're connected to, but I remember coming back home and I was about 19 at the time and realizing I have to get a job if I'm going to be here. And we moved in together right away. And um, I remember thinking this wasn't what I had planned. I really didn't want to live with anybody. I really didn't want to be in a long term relationship uh, like this. Um, But we, you know, we both worked at the same place. We worked at the airport at the food court there. And we had a lot of friends that we made. And so my twenties were uh, going to work and then uh, going back to the house that, you know, I lived with, Uh, we lived in the basement of his grandparents' house, which is another long story, but um, uh, they were very generous and they were loving and I still adore his family. I think they are a caring, loving you know, close knit family. And they were very awesome to open up their home to me. But we threw parties when they weren't there. We drank, we smoked weed, we did whatever we wanted to do. We would go to work and have fun there. And then like Friday nights would come. And we all knew we would kind of hang out for the weekend and do whatever we wanted. And, um, you know, it seemed like innocent fun. And I know a lot of it wasn't as bad as it could have been. We've heard a lot of testimonies from uh, different people, yours included, that uh, had a lot of lot more heavier things uh, go on uh, when you're in a group setting. But I do remember feeling like this wasn't me. I remember feeling like I was never the one that got drunk. I always drank until I felt a little buzz, but then I would stop because I did not want to be under the influence because I knew that um, I would be a totally different person and that scared me. So yeah. I was always the responsible one, um, holding my friend's hair back, uh, bringing them to their house, uh, making sure everything was kind of picked up. And I remember thinking, this is not what I want. I don't even like any of this. I don't, yeah. don't want to do any of this anymore. So that was really where I was. And then we had kind of a strained relationship because uh, he had proposed and I had said yes. And it was during a moment where I think he felt like I was kind of slip away from him. I think we felt that tension. And so I think it was his way of making sure I would stay. Um, But we never, we never made plans. And you know, when you first get engaged, you get excited and you start talking about wedding stuff. And we never did that which is another red flag. Um, I didn't feel joy. I actually just felt more confusion. And I was kind of, you know, looking at my ring, like, I don't even know if, if we belong together. And he just had a totally different upbringing than I did. I 
was brought up Catholic and went to catechism, which is their Sunday school. And I learned a lot about God. And um, even though it was Trinitarian, it still taught me to have a God conscience, you know, to open myself up to the fact that there was a God. Yeah. And he was totally opposite. He, in fact, was a huge atheist. And I went through a time where I thought I was an atheist, too, because maybe that made us feel more compatible. Mm. And I just was so far from God. I thought, "Eh, how could he even exist right now? And it just didn't seem right. But then when he started talking about wanting to get married and I, I had asked about a church wedding, um, it was something that he was not fond of. And in fact, he did not even want to raise our children to be Christians or to even know God. And I guess I wasn't really surprised, but I was sad. You know, I was very sad because I just always had it in my head that I would just teach my kids about God, even if I didn't know what that was. So we were at odds. And then I noticed him doing more drinking by himself, doing more drugs by himself, doing just a lot of self-destructive things alone. And I know that those were things that we had talked about that came up from his past that he was starting to spiral again. And I realized that he was unhappy too. We were both just being there just to be there because neither one of us wanted to be lonely. And so that's kind of how it began for me was I was literally rocking back and forth, crying and sobbing on like a cold bathroom floor, just knowing that I had pretty much thrown away four years of my life and I did not know what else to do. Oh man. It really seems like a big theme in you talking about that is that you were just continually disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And I, I definitely know that feeling, you know, where I can just really feel that you kind of looked at your life and you really didn't know how you ended up there or maybe not how, mm-hmm. but why you weren't really happy with where you were, but did you, I don't know, did you feel stuck or um, you mentioned that you, you and your boyfriend were kind of afraid to be lonely. Yeah. I really think that's probably a lot more common than people are willing to admit, which mm-hmm. is sad. You know, that's just kind of how the world is that it feeds you this big lie that, okay, well, if you're not in a relationship, then you need to be lonely and you need to be sad and you need to just long for a relationship at any cost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely felt so stuck. I felt also a lot of shame because there were things that I had done and there were things that I had given up that I never thought I would. And I had went and did things that just made me feel really gross. And um, I remember feeling, now I know it's conviction. And I just felt really shameful and guilty, uh, especially feeling like I led him on where I probably had seen this coming a long time ago and I didn't say anything. And we both felt like we were just uh, stuck in that place of uh, what do we do next? And, um, you know, it really stinks because he was a good friend. He could have just stayed a good friend. And I know that a lot of people have gone through that where they've been in a relationship where they ruined a friendship because that person just wasn't meant for them. 
And I think for me, I don't want to paint him in a bad light or share this about him because I feel like he is a product of his environment and we are all products of our environment. And I have so much forgiveness for him and I have prayed for his soul and I wish him the best. Um, And we just, at that time, we didn't know what to do. Our fights were getting louder. We were just, we were just not having any more joy. If you want to call it that we, we weren't really happy at all. And I remember thinking how, dependent we were on each other but he was more dependent on me and if I didn't do anything about it I 100% felt like he wouldn't that he would just stay there because he didn't want to lose anyone he didn't want to be the one to be alone and so I remember part of the reason why I was crying on that bathroom floor was because I knew I had to do it I knew I had to break up an engagement. I knew I had to be the one to basically basically break up our friendship group. Um, It was, we all had the same friends. We all worked together and I knew it was not going to be nice. Uh, But it got to the point where I knew that God was leading me somewhere else. I had actually had a family friend commissioned me to do some paintings for the first time. And as a 20 something artist, uh, she wanted me to paint God. And I remember uh, telling her, sure, I'll paint whatever you want. (laughs) If you're going to pay me for it, you know, you're 20 years old and you want some money for whatever. um, And you have no boundaries for your creativity. I'll pay, you know, pay me whatever you want and I'll paint it. And she had a series that she wanted to get painted of six paintings. And the first one she wanted me to do was of Mary holding baby Jesus. And so Throughout this whole issue in this relationship, I late at night would stay awake after he's gone to bed and I would paint this painting. And so late at night on my own, I was thinking about God and I was meditating on him and I was painting, um, you know, this portrait of the Lord as a baby. And I remember looking at his face and asking, literally asking the painting, who are you? You know, wow. Like, who are you? Who is this? Who is this face that I'm painting? Right? Like, who is this Jesus? I don't, there's, there's just a lot of gaps in my revelation, you know, in my knowledge. And, um, immediately after starting those paintings, I started receiving night terrors. I would have just very dark visions. I would have nightmares that would wake me up in cold sweats of just demons crawling all over the walls and, Um, just really disgusting things. And obviously my TV choices weren't good. My TV shows, uh, my music and all of the media that I was consuming was all negative. It was all, um, you know, what we would call worldly. And so that definitely contributed to this whole struggle within my heart and within my spirit. And I could really feel a tug where I felt like God was pulling me one way, but then the world was pulling me another way. And so it got to the point where I was laying in bed one night and I was in complete, um, just in a complete state of shock because I had a night terror. And as I woke up, my body was completely paralyzed. I could not move. And I knew it was a spiritual attack. I knew it was nothing physical 
uh, in the real world, I knew it was a spiritual attack on me. And I felt um, just pressure on my shoulders of hands holding me down in my bed. And I heard fire in my ears. And um, this actually happened a few times a night. And I remember asking my cousin, um, Billy, who was like a older brother to me. And at the time he was on a spiritual journey on his own. And I shared with him what was happening. And he told me, JC, you need to ask God for a sign when that happens. You need oh, wow. to actually talk to him. And I never thought I could even talk to God because for some reason in Catholicism, what I got from it as a child is that God is so much bigger that we can't really pray to him. We have to pray to Mary or we have to pray to a saint. We have to pray to all these other people before we pray to God. Right. Like he is inaccessible to you. Yes, exactly. And so I always felt like, whoa, God, I mean, ask God for a sign. Like he's God. He shouldn't like, (laughs) I'm not worthy to talk to him, you know? And I was always confused who to pray to anyways. Is it Jesus? Is it God? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. So prayer to me was very confusing, even though I tried it a few times, it just didn't make sense to me. So I said, okay, um, I'll try it. Why not? At this point, I was so desperate. I was in this strained relationship. I was having these spiritual attacks and I knew I was reaching a peak. And so the next time it happened, I remember going through all of the ritual prayers from being Catholic. I went through the Hail Mary that did not work. And finally, I went through the Our Father prayer, and that did work. Um, I actually felt a little bit more relief um, after I prayed it, uh, which makes sense because that is the word of God. But yes. I felt the attack come stronger. Something did not want to give me up. And so finally, I said, Jesus, if you're real, I need to know. And I'm talking in my in my mind because I'm paralyzed at this point. I can't even speak. Um, oh, it just consumed my body. And I remember thinking in my head, if you're real, I need to know right now. Like I am desperate. And I remember saying, I need to know you for myself. And that was when in an, in an instant, the entire scene changed of the room and I received a vision. It's the only way I can explain it. It was a vision of Jesus on the cross the sky was blue and there was white clouds and everything was calm. There was just this calm and this peace and he was on the cross and he was looking down and then immediately he looked up and he met my eyes and then he looked up to the sky and it vanished. It was about uh, two seconds. You know, it was just like a really quick blip and I just remember feeling all of the heaviness on my shoulders lift up. It was like somebody picked up a huge boulder off of me. And I felt his presence, that like warm sensation of like him being with you in the same space. For the first time in that room. And mind you, my boyfriend at the time was in that room with me. He was actually at his computer chair doing God knows what, um, And I was in the bed experiencing this supernatural vision and just encounter with God. And I remember everything went still and I opened my eyes and I could look around and I still felt his peace and his presence. And I looked over at the back of my boyfriend's head and I remember thinking, okay, all right, Lord, whatever you want, you open the door, 
whatever it costs, I will go through it. And that was literally when I made the choice to follow him, whatever the cost. That is so amazing, Chasey. Oh my goodness. I've, I love how you said you were just thinking about him as you were painting him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so awesome how God uses such <laughs> what we would consider strange methods Mm-hmm. to reach out to us wherever we are, you know, like you weren't actively seeking God. You may have been in that spiritual battle for a while and in that relationship with some dissatisfaction, but from what you were saying, it really didn't seem like you were just actively looking for Jesus, but he mm-hmm. came looking for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. he he started stirring your heart in the situations that you were in using things that you would be influenced by, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh my goodness. I the spiritual battle that is so intense. And I love that you are willing to just share that with us because a lot of times I think our generation hasn't, maybe they have shared it and I just (laughs) haven't heard it, (laughs) but, um, you know, you, you are more used to hearing about these supernatural visitations from God and these spiritual battles that people go through from our elders. Yeah. And, you know, so it seems like in a way that's something that would happen a long time ago, Mm -hmm. but it's so incredible to be reminded that, God still does these things today. And I know this didn't just happen to you yesterday. It's been several years, but, mm-hmm. you know, God does those kinds of things for us in this generation. And he's still just as powerful and just as real. And so is the rest of the spirit world. So you mentioned that you opened your eyes, you looked at your boyfriend at the time or the back of his head and in that moment you decided that you were going to follow Jesus no matter the cost. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned how you were thinking about ending that engagement, but um, how did you go forward after that moment? Well, like most things that I do uh, quickly, Uh, um, (laughs) because I had already waited so long to get an answer. I, as far as for what I needed to do next in life. And so when something like that happens to you, all the other things that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. Um, yeah. All the little things that you kind of hem and haw and go back and forth of, oh no, what, a, what would they say? Or, or, or what, would, what would they do? Or how, you know, um, I can't do this or I can't do that because it would make me look like this or that. Um, That doesn't matter. None of that matters when you literally get just that encounter with God. And I really did feel like it was a green light. And I felt like he had placed the ball in my court, so to speak. And um, so the first thing that I did was I remembered um, I, at that time, as far as like my, my work, I was still working at the airport, but I was, 
also working part-time at a um, interior design firm because I still love design. So I had gotten my interior decorators uh, certificate. So I'm a certified interior decorator. And so I use that certificate to get an internship at a local designer um, firm, which was really awesome. And I learned a lot about business there and design. And she actually was a Christian, which I didn't really think about at the time. Um, but looking back, uh, God really placed some amazing people in my life. And so I used to cat sit for her and watch her apartment when they went to uh, Florida on vacation. And um, I knew she had a guest room because I stayed in it and she would be gone one week. And this literally happened right after the encounter. I mean, it, it couldn't have been, it was less than a month for sure. And um, I was just stirred in my heart to ask her if I could stay there for the week actually stay at her apartment since I would be taking care of her cat in her apartment anyways, because the design firm was, was on the first floor. So it was all one building. I asked her, you know, I said, I am going to be going through a very difficult personal thing. Um, and I need a place to stay for about a week just so I can get my thoughts together and make some phone calls. And by Friday, I will have a place to stay. Now, that was my first, I think, leap of faith. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think that was my first step of even anything faith-related because, number one, I didn't know if she was going to say yes. Uh, number two, I didn't know who I was going to call. And number three, I had no idea why I said I was going to have a place by Friday because I had no ducks lined up in a row. <laughs> I had nothing. I didn't even have a feather. I had nothing. And so – wow. Um, I just felt compelled to just be bold like that. And she was so sweet um, as she was anyway. And I, and I just really appreciate her so much. She not only agreed, but she also paid me extra that week, which was a financial blessing because I knew that I was going to be leaving with not much uh, financially. So I talked to her first. And once I got that settled, uh, the next step was to pack. So um, I ended up getting just one bag and I filled it with as many clothes as I could. And I, I did it. I, I can't remember. I can't remember the day of the week, but I remember that my ex-boyfriend was there at the time. And I don't know if he was getting up to go to work or if he just came home from work uh, and he was going to sleep because um, he had started a different job at that point. And he was in bed with the, with the sheets over his face and, we had just had uh, some words. I know tension was just so thick between us. It was just not healthy. And um, he heard me rummaging and just packing. And I was just packing a bag as fast as I could. And once I was done, I sat at the edge of the bed in silence. And I remember saying, you know that this was going to happen because I really do feel like we're on the same page, but neither one of us wants to say anything. So I'm going to be the one to say something that I think we know that this is over and I'm going to leave my ring on the dresser and we can still talk and we can be friends. When you're ready to talk, you can call me. And he didn't say a thing um, because I knew there was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of heaviness. There was a lot of sadness. I could mm -hmm. feel, 
I could really feel just the depression that had been following him for years, just suppress him so deeply. And I left my engagement ring on the dresser and I took the key to my car and I took my bag and I left. When I drove to her apartment, it started to rain. It was seriously out of a like 90s, you know, comedy, like drama (laughs) (laughs) where they have the romantic, you know, um, like breakup and whatever. And I remember it rained so hard, like so hard. And in the middle of it raining, I was a mess. I was crying. The earth was crying. Everybody was crying. (laughs) It was seriously like a scene out of a movie. And um, looking back, that's what I remember. Just all all the feelings and all the emotions just just pouring out. And um, I had to drive from one town to another. I actually had to cross a few different towns. I had to drive about, I had to drive about 25, 30 minutes like that. Um, and um, it was a miracle that I made it <laughs> without crashing. But, uh, you know, when I got to her apartment, I got settled down. And the first person that I remember calling was my friend, Jonathan. And the reason why I called him was because He was a friend that was outside of our own friend group. You know, the group that we were hanging out with and partying with. I felt like I couldn't call them about this because I felt like, number one, they wouldn't understand the whole God thing. And number two, I felt like they would try and influence me and try and get me to get back together with my ex. And I didn't want that to happen because I knew that's not what was going to happen. And right. the only other person that I felt like I could talk to God about or, or what was going on about was my friend, Jonathan. And I had met him a few years back. We were friends for a couple of years. He's five years younger than me. And I met him at the airport. We had worked together and we had been, um, you know, when AOL was a thing, we were yes. <laughs> each other on AOL. We were on AIM. Um, we were texting, just really getting to know each other and just being friends and I remember always being able to talk to him about God. If we worked together on a shift, I talked to him about God and he was just a very good listener. He didn't preach to me. He didn't do anything uh, like that. Um, But I knew there was something different about his spirit and about who, who he was. And so we spent that entire week um, just talking about God and what was going to happen. And I just was able to, I was able to really have some therapy time. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, just process what was going on and just go through what is, what is the next step for me. And luckily my family friend, Wanda, who commissioned me to do the paintings, she offered to take me in by Friday. So, wow, um, that timeline. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I, I felt led to at least call her and, and talk to her about what happened. And she offered to give me a place to stay for a couple months. And, you know, that's really the beginning of the story there is I, by Friday, I had so much confirmation that God was just leading me in the right direction. And I was able to have uh, Jonathan help me take all my stuff out of my ex-boyfriend's house and move it into Wanda's house um, for the next couple months. And Jonathan and I just kept talking. 
And so that was really the beginning of the next stage of what God had in store for me. That is so incredible. I love how, you know, Jesus always does this kind of thing. Um, He does it in the Bible where he just calls out to somebody and is like, hey, follow me. And, (laughs) you know, those people leave everything behind. They, you know, may have left jobs or relationships. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But in your case, you did. You left a place that you had to stay, a relationship. And, you know, you mentioned your first step of faith and really was made up of a bunch of smaller steps of faith. And Jesus came through and delivered on each thing that you really needed. And I, you know, I, I was surprised to hear that you mentioned you called Jonathan. So I've heard that name before. Can you tell us a little bit more about who that is? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Um, actually, you know, when we, uh, when we were talking, you know, we've always had that instant connection where we always felt like we could share and talk and communicate. And I had never felt such a comfort with someone like that before. Like, um, you know, it felt like we knew each other forever. And I love that. And so we talked for hours and you know, like those, those conversations that just last until like 2am and you guys are falling asleep on the phone and you have to say goodbye because you have work at like seven o'clock the next morning, you know, those conversations are just so precious. And we started dating and he actually started um, witnessing to me and talking about his church, which was an apostolic Pentecostal church. And I was like, I never heard that before. That sounds like a disease. I don't know <laughs> what is Pentecost. What is apostolic? Are you talking a different language? And, you know, I remember having a friend at the airport years before this telling me that Jonathan was religious and that none of his sisters or his mom cut their hair and they didn't wear pants. And I remember thinking, hmm, that's interesting. It didn't bother me at all. I just thought it was actually very, I was very intrigued. I thought it was very interesting. I never heard that before. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being very drawn to wanting to check it out. And uh, I had a lot of opportunities to go to many different churches. I could have went to a Wanda's church. I could have went to uh, my employer's church at, at the design firm. Um, neither one of them invited me, but it, I, I know that it was an open invitation no matter what, because they were just very sweet women to me, uh, very sweet Christian women to me. Um, but I just never felt led to those places. And so I remember asking Jonathan to go to church one Sunday and he kind of laughed because uh, he was trying to muster up the courage to ask me first. <laughs> really? Yeah. And so he said, but you just blurted out, can I come to church with you? And he was like, sure, I'll pick you up Sunday. Um, and so he picked me up and I went to church for the first time in an apostolic church. I had, let's see, I think I was 21 at the time. And so... I would say this was about February-ish of 2007. And when I walked into the Apostolic Church of Enfield here in Connecticut for the first time, I pretty much got slapped in the face by the Holy Spirit. Like I did not expect what I had encountered. People were 
exuberantly worshiping. They were weeping. They had their hands raised. They were standing up. I mean, this was, this was a shock to a little Catholic girl, let me tell you. Um, yes. The, the music was playing uh, a real piano, not an organ. It was just like a, just so much life. And I had such a tough in- exterior. I was still trying to protect myself. I was still trying to appear tough. And like I had it all together. I was always trying to appear strong. Like nothing could break me. I'm, you know, I'm unstoppable. And I think this was obviously a mechanism to protect myself emotionally, but I sat there and I remember just weeping and I didn't know why I just had, I just felt his spirit so strong that these tears were just coming down my face. And I mean, honestly, looking back, I was just so ready. I was so ready to receive whatever God had for me. And I remember Jonathan's mom coming over and just putting her arm around me and praying very nicely. She wasn't invasive or anything like that. And I turned to her And I will never forget, we both talk about it now till this day, because we will never forget the words that just came out of my mouth where I looked around the congregation and I saw the faces of the elders and the faces of the youth group and just everybody loving God. And I looked at her and said, this is what I want. And it, it pretty much shocked both of us that I said it, um, but ever since then, I just, I just kept coming back and Jonathan would bring me to a rally, which is our conferences um, here where all the churches in the district get together. And I received the Holy Ghost not that long after um, at a district rally. And then a few weeks later, I was baptized in Jesus name. And so from the moment of me leaving that relationship, breaking off my engagement, uh, you know, having that whole transformation happen. um, It was about four months. (laughs) So it happened really fast. Um, And I would say it was probably quicker than that. And I ended up getting my own apartment, moving out of Wanda's house, and then um, just continually going to that church. And two years later, Jonathan and I uh, became husband and wife. So he is my husband. (laughs) Wow. That is so awesome. And I could totally relate to that quick turnaround. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I know that God has, he works in people on different timelines and something God laid on my heart a couple years back is that some people's road is longer than others. And I think that can be applied in a lot of different contexts, but sometimes, you know, when somebody has lived a life that they're so done with, <laughs> you know, they're so ready to be done with what the world has served them. Mm-hmm. They're so ready to put behind them all the things that they have experienced. They don't want that anymore. They've had that taste. They know it's foul and they, they just don't want it anymore. Yeah. God knows sometimes when those people are just ready to flip. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. it doesn't always have to take years and years of slowly coming to Jesus and taking one slow step at a time that when Jesus calls you, it's totally okay because God is trustworthy that you can just chase after him. Yeah. And he yeah. will lay the floor before you where it will be secure and it will be sure. And you 
will not have to worry about your basic needs being met and you won't have to worry about what things you let go of because he's going to replace it even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, one of the other amazing, you know, when you think back on your story, uh, we can tell the summarized version, but there are so many mini testimonies within the bigger testimony. And so, you know, when I talked about those paintings and I started painting, you know, baby Jesus that was staring at his face, by the time I got to my apartment, And I was settled into my apartment. That was a span of about four months. And I finished the sixth painting in my apartment. That sixth painting was called Revelation. And that sixth painting, yes. And it showed, it was actually a painting of the rapture and Jesus coming on a chariot. And the whole process of each painting was literally from death to life. It was the process of a conversion. And I don't think it was uh, just coincidence, obviously, that, you know, Wanda felt compelled to ask me to paint that. And for her and for my family and for everybody else to be witnesses of what God did, even though I didn't do everything right when I was converted. I know you and I were kind of talking about that a little bit on Instagram um, earlier this week, but like just because we were converted doesn't mean we, we made all the right choices. And I could have dealt with my friendships a little bit better. There was definitely some things that I just wanted to get rid of. I remember just throwing out my jewelry, throwing out my makeup. Uh, I threw out my pants. Those to me, God had given me such a revelation of those specific things during my own Bible study that mm-hmm. I didn't care about those things. It was easy for me to cut those things out, but I do feel a little bit like I could have been more graceful towards like my friends at the time. And, and I know I hurt people because I just cut those relationships off once I started really getting into church and, and really investing in my relationship with Jonathan. And I just felt like I didn't want anything to deter me away from this new life. Those are just things that, you know, they do say when you're a first convert, when you're first coming to Jesus, that you are an infant, you know, you're, you're a baby Christian. And so I made baby choice. I made baby choices. I made baby mistakes. And so just like a child, you know, does something silly and they have to reap their, their, their choice. That's, that's what I had to do. And I, you know, I look back and I wish I had some of those friendships because they were amazing. And there was a couple of friends that I was witnessing to, and I just didn't keep in touch with them like I should have. And, and I've seen them now fall away and do things that I never thought that they would do. But, um, but going back, you know, it was just incredible just to, just to finish that six painting in my apartment. And, um, that just really was a place that I grew and I wasn't afraid of being alone anymore. I guess that's really what I want to like tell people is like, God really brought me to a place that I literally was living by myself and I was okay with it. Like I was, I was still in a relationship with someone, but I had my dependency on Jesus. And, and I remember that moment too, because I was dependent on Jonathan for a lot of the times when we first were dating. But I remember that switch in my spirit 
I think I fasted for like three days and I didn't realize I was fasting. You know, I was just like such a baby Christian. I knew I was just in the word. I didn't feel compelled to eat. I drank like water and like toast for like three days. And I think the last day, I think the last day I only drank water because I was just in so, I was just so hungry for more Jesus. And I remember just having such an awakening and there was just a switch in my spirit where I knew from that moment on, it was just me and Jesus. Whatever happens, God, that, that's all bonus. <laughs> yes, exactly. I understand. So JC, you reached that point where that switch just flipped and you realized that all you really needed was Jesus and everything else, like you said, was just bonus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that's, I can totally relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people can. And it's not that Jesus took away your desire for that close relationship, but he filled it. I mean, can you tell us more about just how Jesus met that need for you? Because I think a lot of times we talk about, or people talk about Jesus loves you and, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus will be everything you need and you don't, you don't need to pursue whatever relationships at this time because Jesus can be that for you. But it's kind of hard to believe that sometimes until you really experience it. So can you Mm kind of tell about that? Yeah. And I really did want to talk about this part of the story because I haven't shared a lot about, you know, the relationship that my parents had. They kind of split when I was eight years old and that pretty much wrecked my life. Um, My dad still stayed in my life. My parents were very cordial. Uh, They were beautiful, loving parents and they still are. They just fell out of love with each other. Um, But that wrecked me as a child because I felt just completely confused about what love was. And um, I was angry and I was hurt and I lashed out a lot. And I think part of the reason why I rushed into that relationship was because I just wanted to know what love was. It just seemed so abstract to me and um, none of it really made sense. And so I think Jesus really wanted to bring me to a real love story. And I really do feel like he used Jonathan in a lot of ways to show me what real love was here on earth. But then through my relationship with him, he showed me just such a spiritual love. You know, not everything was perfect when I had my apartment. I still did have, I had a couple of spiritual, uh, you know, battles there as well. Uh, My pastor would give me verses on fear to recite. And I had at one point a, a demon show up in my apartment disguised as Jonathan to try and trick me. It was very uh, scary and nerve-wracking, but um, his word really, truly opened my eyes. Reading the word is essential, and as much as we probably get sick and tired of hearing our elders talk about it or the pastor or the preacher talk about it, I cannot stress enough how powerful God's word really is and just studying for yourself to learn things for yourself that seriously just solidified things for me and one thing that I did and um 
you know, if you feel led to do this, those of you listening, I highly recommend it, especially if you are uh, single and you're not married yet, is I would actually tape pieces of paper to my wall right across from my bed. And after I would do a Bible study or a devotion or some sort of prayer, if something stuck out like a phrase, a quote, a verse to me, something that would prick my heart, or if it was something that I was battling with, yeah, you know, like scriptures and verses that just stirred my heart. Um, For me, it was a lot about his love and a lot about how he's not the author of confusion and a lot about just the purity of our hearts and that he cares about the state of our thoughts and all of those things, I would write it all out on pieces of paper uh, and tape them to my wall. And so every morning I would meditate on those. I would literally look at the wall and read them and recite them out loud and pretty much change the atmosphere. And I, you know, asked him to, to help me late at night. So I would say, honestly, prayer, and, and reading the word, um, I think learning more about who Jesus is, you learn more about who you are and you learn who you're not. Learning more about who Jesus is taught me that it taught me the real definition of what true love is. You know, yes. our great big God became a man and then gave his life for all of us. He didn't have to do it, but he became that last, that last sacrifice, that lamb that was slain for us. And then three days later, he rose again because God can't die. <laughs> yeah. And so he's alive and he leaves his spirit for us so that we can be filled with it and it can be a guide to us. And that's just such a beautiful just picture of love. I mean, and you're a parent, you know, you're a mom like I am. And when we think about loving our children, I would do a hundred percent the same thing that Jesus did. I didn't believe in the Trinity anymore. I didn't believe that there were three separate beings because I couldn't. After reading the word, I couldn't do it because it didn't make any sense when it came to love. Because if our father really loves us, why would he send another son to die for his other children? Exactly. So he would do it himself. Right. Right. And that's, that's the beauty of self-sacrifice, that sacrificial love. And so I think that's really where, um, where I got my foundation that just solid ground for me was learning that oneness of God and how real it was and just learning more about God for myself. And so I encourage anybody out there who has these questions, who might be feeling pulled into a different direction, who are confused, don't run away from the confusion and don't back down because these scripture verses are hard to read in the KJV. Reading the Bible for the first time as as a Catholic girl was weird. But I guarantee you the answers are in that book that you need. It is the written word of God. It is alive and it never fails. And it will continually give you new revelations every single day. Yes, I love that. You know, something that stands out with your story is that, you know, yes, Jesus loves us in this grand scheme of the gospel of what he did for us 2000 years ago, plus what he does today, but he also loves us in such a deeply personal way that he's willing to call out to us through artwork or Mm. through 
um, visions and through meeting our needs when we take steps of faith. He's there in the specific day-to-day things that we go through because he's not just the great, amazing creator, though he is. He's also our personal, loving God. And he wants that personal relationship with you. That's just so, so beautiful. I just think that when I listen to all of these testimonies and every time a new testimony comes across, you know, my social media feed, I mean, I can't help but tear up and get goosebumps when I see a new person be baptized, when I see somebody share a video of somebody receiving the Holy Ghost. I mean, that never gets old to me. That encourages me. That helps me realize I'm in the right uh, place that um, just confirms what God has placed in my heart uh, 13 years ago now. Um, just that he's still working, he's still active. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to really do this series this year, because we have seen nothing but destruction here in 2020. You know, mm-hmm. we have literally been handed some serious cards this year. And I really wanted to encourage the church. I wanted to encourage fellow believers. And I wanted to just re-encourage myself that we are in this thing and it's real and um, God is real and he's still working and he's still reconciling people to himself because that's what he came to do. Uh, That's what he wants. He wants our hearts. He wants our souls. And, um, you know, we have to stop being distracted and we have to stop um, letting the enemy tell us that there are better things outside of the church. Um, we have to stop listening to the voices, to the lies of the enemy that tell us that church is no good and that they're trying to keep you away from things that are better for you. Um, God has everything that we will ever need. And if you are feeling that pull that maybe church is not for you, I guarantee that is the voice of the enemy. That is not the voice of God. That is not the voice of your father. And I encourage you to resist that, resist it with all of your heart and do whatever you need to do to make sure that you are not influenced by those voices. If you have to get off social media, if you have to turn off your TV for a while, um, one of the things that my husband and I did when we were dating was we snapped pretty much all of our CDs that were not godly music. I think he might have kept two just because he couldn't part with like Journey, but um, (laughs) which, okay, for the most part, we had, I remember just us leaning over the trash can in his parents' house with shattered pieces of the rainbow, you know, CDs uh, like in our hands and watching them just fall into the trash can and feeling just such freedom in that because we can make the choice. We don't have to let the media, we don't have to let, you know, Hollywood dictate our choices in our own lives. I mean, if you really think about it, it's so silly that we do that, right? It just seems so crazy that we do that, um, that we will let other people kind of influence our everyday choices. Yes. (laughs) So I just wanted to encourage those. um, If you are struggling, if you're not sure if God loves you, he definitely, definitely does. And maybe he's just waiting for you to turn back to him and make a rededication or, or dedication to follow him, to give up anything that just isn't um, pleasing to him. And that honestly is not going to grow you. That's really the bottom line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so worth it. When you do whatever it takes, it is so worth it. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm just so thankful for you that you were um, so willing to come on and, um, and be uh, kind of the host here. I, I truly do appreciate our friendship and hopefully someday we'll meet in real life. Cause I think we definitely will be like super besties. Yes. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff. I could just chat with you for hours about stuff. There's so many similarities in our story that I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that would make this podcast episode like 17 hours long. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could just continue the conversation outside the recording. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, thank you so much, Allison. I have had just such a pleasure just talking with you and, and I really do appreciate you. And I'm so thankful for what God did in your life and what he's continually doing. Um, guys, if you are not following apostolic letters on Instagram, it's apostolic underscore letters. Allison is a talented hand letterer. I think that's a word, right? Hand letterer, (laughs) which is one of my passions as well, but I thoroughly enjoy watching her create and also just share some amazing wisdom that God has given her. So make sure you give Allison a follow and thank you again, my friend, for helping me with this special episode of the podcast. Absolutely. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.